1: too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy30.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! Insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Oject. Hey,
2: everybody. Welcome back. It's time again for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. We appreciate you being with us. If you don't already subscribe to the show, what are you doing? Come on, get off your duff hit download. Wherever you get your podcasts, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, turn on the auto download. It makes it so easy. I did this for my mom. Yes, my mom listens to the show. She gets the podcast. She doesn't have to do anything. She's like, hey, just set it up for me. Great. Now, every time there's a new show, she gets it and she can talk. come back to me and say, boy, I like listening to Mo. Uh, And so anyway, so that's the way you do it. Make sure you do that. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscription button and the notifications bell as well. Yes, that rhymed. And bringing in my broadcast partner now, he is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, covering the entire league, as well as being the uh, Sports Knot Raiders columnist. So you can catch him up on SportsKnot.com. Special welcome to our good friend Benjamin Albright, who joined the team over at SportsKnot.com. You can follow Mo on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moton. You can follow me at... LV Gully. Also, SNB Today is the show. We love interacting with everybody up there, so please make sure you do that, and we would welcome the interactions. Mo, here we go, man. Uh, We actually have lots of Raiders news. That's exciting.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's mixed because a lot of people think that the press conferences that you hear at the Combine, (laughs) you can't glean anything from them, but I think if if you read in between the lines, I'm not saying... Head coaches and general managers reveal their offseason plans, but if you read in between the lines, you can kind of tell like, what could be coming down the pipeline.
2: Absolutely. And we're going to get into that during this show. First, we're going to talk about some organizational news and what that might mean. Then after the break, we're going to get into the Josh McDaniel press conference this week and exactly what Mo foreshadowed. Yes, I'm using a literature term. Foreshadowed about the Raiders quarterback situation and some other things. So we'll talk about what we read between the lines. Then in the third segment, we'll talk about Dave Ziegler also doing some things like that. But also we get to our Raider Nation mailbag. We got some questions to get to this week as well. If you want to send in questions, you can send them into mail at silverandblacktoday.com for our next show. You can also hit us up on Twitter. We gave you that. You can see our names if you're watching us on Twitter. It's also located in the description of this podcast. If you want to ask us questions on Twitter, we can take them there too. Mo and I save them. And uh, we use those for the next show, so make sure you do that. Okay, Mo. This week, uh, the Raiders organization has, for the last two seasons, gone over, gone over and above reinventing itself. It has changed, uh, I think, personnel more than even the team. If you look at the percentages, of course, Mark Bedane out, then you had uh, Dan Ventrell in, then he leaves under some cloud of of, of something. He was going to sue the team. All this stuff, of course, you have the John Gruden uh, information happen. The Raiders then uh, hire new people, they leave quickly. Now, Marcel Reese, one of Mark Davis's closest advisors, who was uh, ascended to the the executive vice president role of the team not even a year ago. This is going back to May. He was elevated. He's been a guy who's been around since he played for the Raiders. really shocking to me that Marcel Reese has resigned and um, will step away from the Raiders. And again, this is a guy really close to Mark Davis. So I want to talk about that news, mode because I think as as I know, some Raider fans are probably a little upset about it, meaning they love Marcel Reese. He, and I met Marcel several times, obviously, being around the Raiders in Las Vegas, and always a great guy, You just one of those kind of magnet people. You're always around him, very positive guy, did a lot in the Las Vegas community. But I think this points at something, and I want to hear what you have to say, because to me, it's good news, and we'll get into why in a minute, but what was your reaction when you saw... Less than a year after taking the role, Marcel Reese, again, one of Mark Davis's best, closest advisors, is now out in Henderson on Raiders Way.
3: Who's going to order wings at Hooters with Mark Davis now? <laughs> this is right hand man now. that's That was my first thought. Now- <laughs> oh, my,
2: are you, oh my goodness.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though. Um, I think to me, the one thought I did have is when you bring in a new team president, right? Mm. So Sandra Douglas Morgan is in there, they're going to be changes now. No, I believe I read a quote somewhere that Marcel Reese talked about the organization needs stability. And he felt like the organization would have that with Sandra Douglas Morgan coming in. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, maybe a year, not even a year later, he's out. I, I just think that when you have a, again, a new head of the organization or new, you know, new executive coming in, they're, they're going to be changes. Now, we can question why now? Why didn't it happen immediately? But you know, we're not in those meetings. We're not behind closed doors, so we we can't really speak on that. What I will say is that because of all the reports that you've heard of the, the things that have happened behind closed doors with the Raider organization, with women especially, mm-hmm. I'd say Marcel Reese was part of that. Maybe it's good that you clean out what you what you had left over from the previous regime which was clouded in a lot of controversy. So I, I'm not saying it's it's a great thing or it's a bad yeah. thing, but I would say maybe it should have been expected.
2: Yeah, and, and, and that's why I say it's a good thing. Again, nothing against Marcel Reese. We don't know. I'm not speculating that he did anything wrong, and that's why he resigned. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that, uh, and he might have his own reasons for it. But I do believe that when you, exactly, when you get new leadership in, just as we talked about, Josh McDaniels as a coach, then we talked about Dave Ziegler's a GM, he brought in Champ Kelly, he brought in his guys, the Raiders let go a long, long time's two long time scouts or three long time scouts, it was time to cycle through, so you, you, when you bring new people on, they assess an organization, and then they decide the direction. Yes, he's close to Mark Davis, but I think that's one of the positives here, Mo, is that You and I have been saying over the last several weeks as it related to the Derek Carr situation and then the future of the quarterback position and kind of what was going to happen with the roster with Ziegler and Josh McDaniels was that Mark Davis was ceding that control. He knows he's got guys in place that he trusts, whether you like them or not out there, and he's going to let them do. So he's obviously turned to Sandra Douglas and said, "Okay, I'm going to let you do. Marcel's my guy. But you address this organization, or you assess this organization, excuse me. And when you get to a point where you tell me what the plan looks like moving forward, what we need, what we don't have, come back to me and then we'll decide. And so maybe Marcel Reese was given the opportunity to resign because uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan is looking to uh, upgrade that organization the way she wants to with her vision. And so, from my perspective, that's good. Raiders are always loyal. We get once a Raider, always a Raider. And Marcel Reese will always have a place with the Raiders, I am sure. But it's business and this organization has not been successful for more than 30 years consistently. And so to me, good move. We'll see what comes next and and who fills these positions. But clearly, I don't think it should be looked at as a negative.
3: Put it this way: when a head coach is hired and they bring usually a head coach cleans out, cleans house and brings it in his his own staff, does that mean that the wide receiver coach did a bad job with the previous regime? Not necessarily. (laughs) Does that mean that the defensive backs coach was a horrible defensive backs coach? Not necessarily. It just means that the the new person in charge, once there are people in the building or on staff to, as you said, flesh out their vision of how they want things to be run or how things they, how they want things to go. So I want to reiterate that Marcel Reese stepping down is not a referendum on him or what he he was doing with public affairs and things of that nature. It's just that Sandra Douglas Morgan has her vision and she has an idea of what she wants out of new people.
2: That's right. And and to me, that's also, you have to fill the, it's great to be loyal. Okay. And, and, and I think Mark Davis has been loyal at times to a fault, but that, you know, I rather have people be loyal to a fault than not be loyal at all. But there's loyalty and then there's business. And and it's and we're going to talk about the quarterback situation with the Raiders in the next, next segment because of Josh McDaniel's comments at the Combine this week. But to me, that's what you have to do. You have to set this team and this franchise on a path for future sustained success. I know, I know fans want to win next year. I would too. Hey, my teams, I want them to win right away. I get it. But this organization has been a dysfunctional mess in spots for a long time. And so now if you can get that stability, if you can get better people in those positions, Marcel Reese might end up doing something else with the team we don't know yet. Or he might just be an ambassador, or whatever it works out as. But as far as executive vice president being one of the top executives in the team, the Raiders, just like they have to do at positions on the field, I think needed to upgrade there and we'll see what they do. But but clearly a good statement to me from the Raiders that they're allowing their leaders to make decisions.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you mentioned something about friendship and business. Didn't a wise man once say that friendship and business is like water and oil? <laughs> Did, I, 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 I think trivial. I remember. Yes, I think I remember hearing that. But yeah. um. Again, I just, people are going to speculate about what, what's going on. And I, I saw some tweets of people kind of saying, well, the Raiders are, are still a mess. They still got people <laughs> resigning. I, I think that the turnover just didn't happen all at once. Again, when you have someone, a new executive coming in, turnover usually happens. Sometimes it happens all at once. Yep massive turnover, mass, mass exodus. And other times it just happens here and there. They let a scout here, there go. They let a, they let an executive here, there go. They let a you know personnel person here, there go. And I just think that they're just turning over an organization for something new. And I think that's right. new is not necessarily a bad thing.
2: Exactly. And, and just like every employer, right. I mean, you think of it because most of the folks watching us are fans. So you th- it's the Raiders. If I had a job at the Raiders, I'm never leaving. <laughs> and I believe it. But uh, people have other aspirations. They have other things they want to do. Think about your own workplace. How many times do people leave? All the time, right? There's people who cycle in and cycle out. So I think that's this case. Uh, But clearly, I think this is part of, you know, people are talking about the team on the field, and I'm going to get to this in the mailbag, about being rebuilt. I think they've gone through an organizational rebuild. Forget the team on the field. They are creating an organization that's more sustainable, that takes on the, the talents and the vision of their leadership. So- We'll see where it goes. All right, we're going to step aside real quick. When we come back, we're going to get to the comments that we heard from Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels this week in Indianapolis around the quarterback situation, what that means for the Raiders moving forward. And I know I'm going to see comments right right there on YouTube about they got to build a defense. They got to build a defense. Yes, but the most important position and decision they have to make, believe it or not, is quarterback. Sorry, it is. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Silver & Black today, and Odyssey original podcast. Do not go
0: anywhere or we will find you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: What will the Raiders do at quarterback? That is the, oh, $30 million question perhaps. And we're talking about it today on Silver and Black. Today an Odyssey Original Podcast, we talk all things Las Vegas Raiders Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, whatever you want to call them. We're cool that they're just the Raiders to us, and uh, we're here to talk about it. It is Scott Colbranson back with my co-host. That is Mr. Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also a Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Mo, uh, Josh McDaniels had quite a bit to say, uh, and we we joke about it last year. He is not as dry as Bill Belichick, but he's also not that much more exciting than Phil Belichick. So he had a lot to say, but but he talked about the future of the quarterback position. And I think this is not us taking a victory lap, but I think he kind of said what we thought they might do or should do. Uh, and, and so let's play this. I have a, a clip here of Josh McDaniels talking about the uh, quarterback position and what the Raiders, because of course it was like the second question asked of him at the press conference at the Combine. So here's Josh McDaniels, about a minute clip, on the quarterback position and the Raiders' quote-unquote plan?
4: I mean, I think there's always urgency at that position. Um, you know, look, the, the the goal for us eventually is to have somebody that's going to be here for a long time. I think that, um, you know, you see the teams that are having success right now uh, in our league, I would say in our conference, and specifically in our division. Um, you know, they're young players that were drafted by their clubs and they're being developed there um, under the same continuity. Uh, And so I think that eventually, yes. Um, Do I think you, you have to do that if you're not sure or not sold on the player and now you're making a mistake just to try to say that you're solving a problem? I don't think that's really a smart decision. Um, so we're gonna do everything we can do to evaluate every player at that position, both in the draft uh, and free agency, and try to do what we can do to improve the room. I mean, there's certainly gonna be a number of players added at that position. Uh, right now, only Chase Garbers is under contract. So um, we'll, we'll look at everything we can look at, uh, but the goal eventually is to try to have a young player here that's gonna be a Raider for a long time.
2: All right, Mo, there you go. Josh McDaniels and some buzz keywords where you and I, it's, it's time to read between the lines. Read between the lines with Mo and Scott. Okay. So a couple of things, Mo, that stick out to me, and I want to get your comments on this uh, because first thing that popped in my head when he was talking was he said, as he started talking about always addressing the position, our goal eventually our goal eventually <laughs> that does not mean immediacy by the way. goal eventually is to have a quarterback stay here for a long time. So two things there one is young quarterback clearly, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a quarterback that's going to come in and start year one uh, and and be maybe a first round pick so so what did you think and he talked about continuity too, which is another thing I'll talk about in a second, but when you hear those words about eventually, uh, does that not tell you that they have a plan, but it does not necessarily mean that they're expecting to draft someone who's going to come in and play right away?
3: Yeah, it says those two things that they have. a. I, I think a lot of people on Twitter, they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. They're just going by the seat <laughs> of their pants. I, they do have a plan, and if they did, they're not going to reveal it to us, number one. right? Two, you're right. It, it's about... Getting a young guy that who may not start right away. He may not start until 2024. And that goes along with what these Ziegler said about the Rams might not have an immediate answer at the quarterback position in 2023. Keep in mind that they've had, I believe, two meetings with Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Hooker, now remember, Hooker tore his ACL, I believe, in November. Yep. Now he says he's gonna be able to participate in drills and training camp but most players and most players i should say are optimistic about their recovery timeline realistically speaking hendon hooker may not be ready to go full throttle until maybe the end of the summer Mm -hmm. so let's say the raiders don't draft the quarterback and they go with hendon hooker on day two second or third round pick right and he's gonna have to have time to recover from a serious knee injury he's not he's probably not gonna play in the first year, and if he does, it'll be like the last what month of the season, maybe, depending on where the Raiders are. So, again, fans don't want to hear that. They want to see the quarterback out there right away. But it's all about thinking four or five years down the line. That's right. And what the, the bigger point to me is, and I think we were slightly off on this. Mm-hmm. At least I was. I'll admit that I was slightly off on this thought process. By the way, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler are talking may not have immediate answer, may not be immediate. I don't think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are on the hot seat as, as exactly. we thought they were. Yes. So that that short leash that we thought Josh McDaniels had g- going into the 2023 offseason because he went 6-11 and 11 with a with the talent on a roster that they had, yep. we thought, oh, he's got to come in. He's got to win right away. Hearing him and hearing Dave Ziegler makes me retract that statement. I don't think they're under a mandate that they have to win right away so if the Raiders start off really quick, Scott, if the Raiders start off one and five, I hope they don't. But let's say the Raiders start off one and five, a lot of fans is be saying, "Fire Dave Ziegler, fire Josh McDaniels." I don't think that's going to happen because they're speaking as if they have some time. Like yeah. this is not a year where they have to win right away to save their jobs. That's not the case.
2: Correct, and and that is that is one of my biggest takeaways from what we've heard, and we're going to talk about some some stuff from uh, Dave Ziegler in a second. But, but both of them, what we've been hearing, and I know you tweeted it out on Wednesday uh, after I said something, which was the idea of patience. And fans don't want to hear, I been patient for 20 years. I get it. But you have an option. You can either be patient or you can not be patient and not watch the team. I don't know what else to tell you. But I will tell you this. I agree. There is going to be no hot seat. And there might not be a hot seat for two years. And what I mean by that is they might go a little backwards next year win four games, win five games, win six games again, okay, if you consider that backwards or at least treading water. And then maybe there's higher expectations, not maybe playoff expectations, but higher expectations to get to 500 or over the following season. So by the way they're speaking, unless they're completely misreading their owner, which I doubt, I agree with you, Mo. I think these guys are operating under at least a two-year-to-get-healthy plan, and I mean get healthy in that, hey, we need to get really competitive within two years because they're going to blow up that defense, and then on offense, they got to find the quarterback and strengthen the offensive line. So to me, that's what it says, and they keep saying continuity. Continuity doesn't come when you fire a guy after a second year, especially when you're drafting a quarterback. Mark Davis is not, at least he shouldn't, allow a GM to select a quarterback as a rookie based on a system you have in place and then blow out the coach. It's just, if you think that's going to happen, no matter how bad it gets in the future with this team over the next you know season, it's not going to happen.
3: It's just not going to happen. And you mentioned continuity, you mentioned the C word. And I, and I, <laughs> I say this so many times on this show, but Raider fans don't want to hear this, but if you want continuity, you're going to have to be patient. Because yeah. if you're impatient and you're firing coaches, head coaches, and general managers after one or two years, you're never going to have continuity. That's one of the things that people said that impacted Derek Carr's tenure with the Raiders. Well, if you want to have – if you want to go in the other direction and have that continuity and have that stability, you have to let the head coach and general manager – you have to give them some rope, so to speak. Can't have mm-hmm. can't have them go into their second season on a short leash and say if you if you're not 500 by by the bye week or by week eight, then we're thinking about moving on. Then guess what? Whoever you drafted or picked up as a quarterback is going to have another offensive coordinator in, in the second year. Your defense is probably going to have another coordinator after Patrick Graham again. Because remember, there were people saying Patrick Graham should be fired. and i was one of the people that said well hold on a minute now (laughs) can we allow patrick graham to to get his quote unquote his players and implement his system for at least multiple years before we run a guy out after a bad season i know it doesn't look good now but again if you want that stability you're going to have to go sometimes you're going to have to go through rough patches it's not always going to look like what the giants did with brian Dable in in new york it's not always going to look like what doug peterson is doing in jacksonville sometimes it's a slow improvement. It's not an instant impact thing. So I think, again, I know Raiders fans don't want to hear me say patience, the P word, but you're going to have to be patient because as I just said, the way Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are talking, they're going to at least have a three-year period to turn this thing around. Yeah. And
2: to me also, I know fans are going to tell me to F off here, but I will tell you (laughs) that you can somewhat go a little backwards and and still feel good about where your team is headed. And I, what I mean by that is if 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 Ziegler and McDaniels nail the draft this year, at least from appearances perspective, guys got to prove themselves on the field, of course. But if they are going yeah. in the right direction, they sign a quarterback, stopgap, probably going to be Stidham, looks like it's going to happen. Then they draft a the young quarterback, whether it's Hooker, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's CJ Stroud, whoever. And they go get an offensive lineman. They start building that defense, which is, to me, going to take more than two seasons or more than a season to build. Right free agents, right draft picks. Then you can start to say, OK, yeah, they might not win all the games they need to win yet, but this is going in the right direction. And then we'll have a draft next year where the Raiders can then start to do that. Uh, and you'll see if a, the young quarterback develops. If he doesn't, then you go get another quarterback because you've had a year probably where you're going to be in the top 10, 15, whatever it may be. So, so I think that there is some bright side to that uh that dark side if the Raiders are are building again to win. So, so to me, that's what you're gonna have to do. But I also am, am wondering your thoughts, Mo, before we end this segment, because Dave Ziegler also mentioned he kind of did his off the not off the record, but off-camera press conference gaggle with with the reporters there in Indy, and he talked about Devontae Adams saying that, hey, Devontae Adams is involved in our quarterback kind of plan. He knows what's going on. We're keeping him apprised, which shows the respect they have for him and they understand because he signed there when Derek Carr was there and now he's going to be wondering who the heck is throwing me the ball. Um, this is really interesting because we talked about it on this show. Some folks have said, well, you might as well just trade him because the Raiders have to to build. And, and so if they're doing that, then what's, what's the purpose? Well, you can't move him because of cap until 2025, actually in 2025, you could actually move him if you wanted to. But again, that's, that's in two and a half seasons when he's older and we'll see how effective he continues to be. But are you, are you still, I mean, what do you do if you're Devonte Adams, um, you're hoping and you're believing that they do the right thing and that they go get a young quarterback who's going to light it up eventually after one season. Um, but it really puts him in a tough situation, and, and and the Raiders can't really do anything. Even if he demands a trade, um, man, it would be difficult. I just don't know what he's going to do if the Raiders don't nail the quarterback position.
3: I have a few thoughts on this. Number Great.
2: one, awesome. there go. were...
3: There, there, were, there was a lot of talk about Devontae Adams and his contracts. I think there's a there's a, uh, a, kicker in his contract where I believe on March 17th, there are some guarantees that kick in, and people were uh, saying, well, the Raiders can trade him and, and avoid those guarantees because this is a team that's not close to winning anything, so why keep Devontae Adams when you don't have a quarterback in place? You could trade him, get some draft assets, and kind of do a full-blown rebuild. And I'm not going to say who put the tweet out, but uh, I looked at it and I said, no way you do that. You you just you sent off your first and second round pick for Devontae Adams just to get one year out of him. Right. It makes it made absolutely no sense. And you gave him this big extension. He's basically a leader in your locker room. Why would you get rid of Devontae Adams just because. Your quarterback situation is unsettled because whoever you bring in, you want that quarterback to have the best weapons possible so that person can succeed. Right. So it would make no sense to get rid of arguably the best wide receiver in the league when you're bringing in a new guy anyway. But the other thing about Devontae Adams and him being in the loop with Dave Ziegler, I think is important to note because there were a lot of people, a lot of fans. And you remember this, Scott. After the whole Derek Carr thing, we knew this Derek Carr era was going to come to an end. A lot of fans said, oh, mm-hmm. Devonta Adams is going to leave because Derek Carr is not there. He's going to demand a trade. He's he's basically going to throw a temper tantrum saying, say, you, <laughs> you're not going to keep my good friend Derek Carr. I'm going with him wherever he goes. Right. And what happened? Devonta Adams stood in front of the camera, and I think it was Hondo Carpito of Sports Illustrated asked the question, do you see yourself being a Raider in the, in the upcoming season? He basically said, yes, I came here. I wouldn't have been here in Las Vegas without Derek Carr being here. But I grew up a Raider fan, and so I'm going to stick it. Out. I'm basically, he said, I'm going to stick it out after Derek Carr leaves because I want to be a Raider. Right. I came here for Derek, but I still want to be a Raider after Derek. So with Dave Ziggler having Devonte Adams in the loop, and 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 Devonte Adams having Dave Ziggler's ear, I think it's important to note that because we're not going to run into a situation where Devonte Adams just shows up to camp and goes. I'm done with this plan because he's going to know what the, basically <laughs> he knows what the what plan is. is. He's not, he's not picking the quarterback. Don't get me right. wrong. He's not the guy saying, I, I want CJ Stroud. Go get him. It's, it's a matter of, Hey, Devante, this is what we plan on doing. Right. You know? And, and, and I think and he's, he, the, sorry, he's Scott, but including yeah. him, including him is important because he's not going to be blindsided by the plan.
2: Right. And not only that, but, but um, you can get his buy-in early because if let's say, Let's say they're going to draft a young quarterback. Uh, He's got a sense for who it is. He understands them. Uh, If they're bringing Jared Stidham back, he already has familiarity with that, so he feels good about that. Because, yes, the Chief game didn't go as people thought it would, but he did show some, obviously, flashes of brilliance against the 49ers. And so I think that you have the situation where he's familiar with one guy, and if he's excited about the other guy and they're keeping him in the loop— Great. The other thing is, remember, Devontae Adams, I know Josh Jacobs is a big deal for this team, and Josh Jacobs has really emerged, I think, as a a leader in the locker room, too, is Devontae Adams is the senior member, if you will, on that offense. He is, without a quarterback there right now, he's the guy. I really believe that, right? He has to be. And so... That's Just like if you had a quarterback there right now, you kind of keep your quarterback in the loop on what's going on with the team. And I think in this case, it's a little heavier because obviously you don't have somebody who's throwing to him and he's a wide receiver, but he is the guy. So I agree with you. And I, I look, they they have an out in 2025. I think it's a 15 million dead cap hit. He's not going anywhere before that, and I don't think he'll even go then. So, so we'll see what happens. But good news there that they're keeping him apprised um about their plan which some of you think they don't have but yes there you go that's the (laughs) that's the plan the plan isn't for you and I to know because they're not going to tell us but they got a plan
3: but you know what I bet you Devontae knows pretty much the plan what's going on because Dave Ziegler said that he hasn't he has the I believe and I'm paraphrasing he doesn't have a better relationship than anyone else in the league than better than Devontae Adams basically saying his his relationship with Devontae Adams is is has gone further than any other player in the National Football League. So these guys talk about football, they talk about life. Life, yes. So again, he Absolutely. Whatever the Raiders decide to do, I'm not saying Devontae Adams is going to be 100% on board with, but at least he'll know what's coming down the chute before it happens. It's not going to be a, a situation where DeVonte is going to be surprised that they, you know, draft Will Levis or draft Anthony Richardson, whoever they may pick up. Yeah. Devontae Adams is gonna know what's what's gonna happen before it actually happens because he'll be in the loop, which is I think is a smart thing to do for a in your locker room and a guy you want to keep happy.
2: Absolutely. There you go. So there it is. Uh the the plan, non-plan, plan <laughs> for the Raiders at quarterback. I, I fans have so much access to information that when they don't get information, they assume there is none. It's very interesting. And and we all do it nowadays because we just get so much. It, so much data thrown at us. But when it comes to this Raiders team, now, if you heard Devontae Adams was demanding a trade, okay, then you could say the plan is either not good or they don't have one. But obviously, we're not there, as Mo said. Okay, we're going to step aside for a break. And when we come back, we're going to get to one of the parts of the week we love to get to, which is the mailbag segment, where we answer your questions. And for next show, you can mail them in to us, mail at Silver and Black today com, Or you can hit Mo MoeUp, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N on Twitter. Or me, LV Gully, L-V-G-U-L-L-Y, S-N-B Today as well is the show. You can ask us questions there. We'll take them wherever you send them. But first, we're going to take this break where we pay some bills. And then we come back and we'll get to your questions. You're listening to Moe and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Original Podcast.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: It is time for the final segment of Silver and Black Today, the home stretch, as we call it here. And this is our mailbag segment, which we do later in the week, always. And we appreciate it. You guys can mail us at mail at or hit us up on Twitter, on any of our personal handles, or on the show handle. And we'll get to your questions, uh, especially with our man, Midtown Mo. It's Midtown Moe. Yeah! I, I, I'm getting requests. People would like me to put this up to download. They want to make it their ringtone. Oh, really? Ringtone,
4: yes.
3: When you, uh, you step into your work, your place of work, I, your workplace, wherever you go. Play that when you walk in the door. Mo.
2: I would just separate... Automatic
3: people's. respect from your supervisor, your boss, when you walk in with that intro.
2: I think it needs to be your alarm in the morning. You just wake up to midtown Mo. Midtown Moe, wake up Midtown Moe. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to have TV. I'm going to have him do one for you. That's just Moe. It's time to wake up. Moe, you're late to record the show.
3: (laughs) You know, what's funny. I think more people on Twitter have been catching on. And this is how I know people listen to our show. A lot of people now refer to me as Midtown Moe when they, when they tweet at me now, it is, yes. it's starting to really catch on like more than a handful of people like, Oh, Midtown yes. Mo. I, I almost changed my Twitter handle to Midtown Mo, but <laughs> we, we,
2: we, 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 have trademarked it. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to make sure we protect it so that Mo has it and Mo owns it so that when he grows even larger, you know, he's going to have a clothing line. He's going to have sneakers. He's going to have hats. They're going to look like Nets hats, but they will be Midtown Mo. Hats. Oh
3: my gosh. The next hat I get, it has to be blue and orange because I, thankfully Knicks. no one has said, hey, you have a Nets hat on. I haven't heard of that in weeks. Thank goodness. Yes. They have but to any have one. Hat-
2: they have to have a Brooklyn like, oh, maybe not because it's the. No, they should have an orange and blue one for the Brooklyn one, shouldn't they? They do, but the Mets, I like I know this the Mets one
3: because you know the color scheme. You know, Raiders silver and black sure. today, so that's why sure. I chose this color scheme. The problem, like I said, is that it's it looks so close to a Nets hat that people think, oh, because people know that I'm a Knicks fan, yeah. So they're like, how are you wearing a Nets hat? And I'm like, no, it's a Brooklyn hat with the silver and black colors. Yes, but people just it goes right over the head.
2: But the whatever. two best Nets of all time, Greg Anthony and Larry Johnson. sorry my UNLV bias good net they were good good Knicks although Larry's back was bad at that point so tough one he's around there a lot though
3: I will never forget that four point play from Larry Johnson yes I was a kid
2: grandma was the, the stuff all right here we go it's time for the mailbag segment
0: Raider Nation is never shy.
2: You
3: ask, we
0: answer. It's time for the Raider Nation Mailbag. What's on your mind, fam? Drop us an email at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Now, it's your time to speak up.
2: Oh, yes, and speak up you always do. I feel like I'm in a club in Tijuana when I was 18. <laughs> the music, hey, right? man it's, 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 Tequila having coronas.
3: I wasn't born yet. Seeing
2: some ladies, yeah. I know you were <laughs> the time. Well, no, the timing year. You, what year were you born?
3: 1986. Oh, I could the be the year your the Mets won the World Series.
2: I could be your father. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that really hurts. All right. <laughs> The year the one the Mets won the World Series, absolutely. My good my good late friend Brian Plumer, who was uh, was like a brother to me, was a huge Mets fan, and so we were in high school at that point. And oh, I mean, he would call me. And Scott, I just want to let you remember the Mets are the World Champions. <laughs> Click. <laughs> not that not that I hated the Mets or anything, because I was a Padre fan. I could care less about the Mets at that point in '86. But right. he would just call me. Hey, did you know the Mets are the World Champions? <laughs> Funny. I,
3: I wish I was. I wish I had the memory to celebrate that. But I was. I was what seven months old.
2: Yeah. I have only. <laughs> I have only one, uh, sports championship memory of my entire life, which was the 1990 UNLV Rebels. That's it. The running Rebels. That's it. Nothing. Nothing else. So when Raider fans, we haven't won a Super. Shut up. Well, I know some <laughs> of you weren't alive the last time they won it, but still, your I team has won it. Same with you. I was, in, I was in seventh grade when the Raiders won their last Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah. Okay. It's time. Forget about
3: us. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should just talk about us now. Are we at that <laughs> I mean, point I, no. I mean, really, I haven't, I haven't seen the Raiders win the Super Bowl. I haven't seen the Knicks win a championship. No. I was too young to remember the Mets. I mean... Yeah. I'm waiting. I I mean, now I'm in the professional realm, but it would be nice if if one of the teams that I grew up watching actually won something important. I, yes, my
2: (laughs) my Padres are spending money like they're drunken sailors in the Philippines. And that's good. I think they're trying to actually win. They have an owner who knows he's throwing money at the team. So we'll see if they can win. Who knows? We'll check it out. But anyway, it's time to get to your stuff, not our stuff. We'll talk about our stuff again later in a second. But anyway, all right, we're going to get into these questions. And Mo, the last show, Mo, you know, Mo, Mo doesn't ever say anything controversial, but every once in a while he will say something that's really pointed and it, it generates some mail. So here we go, Mo. This one's for you. It's addressed to you. Uh, and I can't imagine why, uh, as you'll hear Uh-oh. in a second. But anyway, it says, Mo, on this week's show, you said Lamar Jackson doesn't get criticized because he's black. I'm black and I criticize him all the time. He's a top athlete, but his game is not as good as people say it is. Are you saying, I guess here's the question. Are you saying everyone is afraid to criticize him because he's black or only white people who cover the league? As a black American, I'm tired of talking about guys race. I'm proud of my people and of all black players, but I don't get why it would mean that you can't be told the truth about a player. I hope I don't get you in social media doghouse, my brother. Daryl W in the East Bay. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl.
3: All right, Mo. Sh- somebody picked up on it. Shout out to you because I, I salute you for that. Because and and to clarify what I said on on the show, previous show, is it's everyone is afraid to, I think people of all creeds and races and ethnicities are afraid to criticize Lamar Jackson whether you're black or white or whatever, because of, it started with Bill Poleon. If you remember mm-hmm. when Lamar Jackson came out of Louisville. And Bill Pollian said he should be a wide receiver. I think he said, right? Not, not he's not gonna. He's not a quarterback in the, on the pro level. Now I didn't agree with that assessment. I felt like Lamar could play on the pro level. I, I felt like Bill Polian was out there with that take. But ever since Lamar won league MVP in 2019, and he's proved that he can be an NFL caliber quarterback, and he's taken the Ravens to the playoffs in four out of five seasons, people say, "See that idiot, Bill." Bill Pullen didn't know what he was talking about. (laughs) It it had racial overtones to it. He's trying to say that Lamar wasn't smart enough to play quarterback. He's too athletic to play the position. And it's a new modern era right now. We have more black quarterbacks and we need that. And and, and I get the, and I've said this plenty of times, the quarterback position has evolved. It's changed in recent years. So now you can have an athletic guy play the quarterback position and it's not looked at as a detriment. You don't, now the pocket passing statue quarterback is a thing of the past. So when I say that people are, are afraid to criticize Lamar, it's because of, it started with Bill Polian and people were afraid to be wrong about it because they know there will be people on Twitter that will jump on them and say, you know, who are you to criticize Lamar Jackson? He's done this, this, that, and the third. And you can't say, well, Lamar Jackson could improve in this area without having to defend that you're not a racist or that you're not a, a coon. And I'm, I'm going to say that word on air because... If you're if Daryl if you if you look like us and you criticize Lamar, that's what they'll call you on social media. Say, "Oh, you're you're a coon. You're you're outdated. You you, you like the pocket passing quarterback. You like the Peyton Mannings of the world, but you don't appreciate the Lamar Jacksons and the Jalen Hurts of the world." And I would say that in today's NFL, you have to be able to move, but you can appreciate both. You can appreciate sure. a, a quarterback who's primarily a pocket passer. And appreciate a quarterback who can move, depending on what your roster makeup is. And, and I think that. Lamar Jackson is a top ten quarterback in this league, maybe top eight, depending on where you have him. Now, people are going to criticize his throwing; it, he doesn't rack up enough yards through the air. He doesn't throw the ball outside the outside the numbers, what have you. But again, the, the way the quarterback position has evolved and changed, there is a place for Lamar Jackson's out there. Well. and this is why Anthony Richardson's draft stock has been rising over the past month or a few weeks. Now that people are saying he could possibly be the number one pick. And I wouldn't doubt it because of guys like Lamar Jackson, because of seeing Jalen hurts in the super bowl. But I will say just to narrow it down. I think a lot of people are afraid to criticize Lamar and say he can improve in certain areas because they don't want to be put in that Bill Polian lane of, oh, you might be a coon or you might be a racist if you're white.
2: Yeah, and I will not say that word on the air, but I will say, I will say this. Do you believe, Mo? I mean, is does the same apply to Mahomes? Does it apply to Hertz? You mentioned Hertz already. Does it apply to the the Geno Smith? Does it apply to um, to other black quarterbacks? Because listen, I don't disagree with you. I think that, listen, I've seen reporters talking about prospects in college and say things like, hey, he doesn't have the football IQ, and people take that as racist when in actuality, it's not, they're not saying that he's not a smart individual. They're saying that perhaps his football IQ, while playing is not up to level with some other quarterbacks, by the way, who happen to be black too. So they're giving the compliment to one black quarterback and not another. So, so I, I think people look for these things. I don't know why it's such a third rail. They have everybody in Indianapolis this week, Mo in what is like a cattle show, right? Where you, you, you talk about in some ways, dehumanizing people more than anything. Uh, I mean, could you, does that have racial overtones? Going back to, to when this country unfortunately had slavery, I don't know. But I think you can find that kind of stuff wherever you want if you're looking for it. But the criticism, I mean, and you, I've, I've told you for years on this show that I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, but I'm critical of him because he can't stay healthy, one. And number two, I don't think he's he's progressed. I think he's regressed a little bit. That does not mean he's not a fine quarterback. It just is what it is. And so uh, obviously Daryl caught on with that. And and the racial tinge that you guys can understand that I cannot sitting here Mm -hmm. with my skin color. But it is interesting because I'm starting to see more and more folks like Daryl who are African-American football fans are like, look, yeah, I, I understand the societal stuff going on, but we're doing fine. And you can't look at everything as a slight because of his race.
3: If we're gonna to touch the third world subject, let's let's put Twitter into perspective. Let's be honest about <laughs> Twitter. Is that you could say so many there are so many things that you could say on Twitter, and someone out there is gonna find, you know, a racial component to it. They'll turn it into a you know a racial discussion when it's has nothing to do with race or anything like that. But because that's what people do on Twitter to stir up likes and retweets and discussion and and, mm-hmm. and interaction. That's what people do. They want to find a third world discussion to 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 cause a ruckus online. And that's what you know, that's what a lot of people just have their accounts for. A lot of people are bored on Twitter, believe it or not. But when it comes to Lamar Jackson, just to put this back into perspective, is I just noticed so many people will put Lamar Jackson on this pedestal as if he's above reproach, as if he can't be criticized. Mm. And when I see that, I, I feel like it's because these people are again afraid to say something for a fright of being again, called out of their name or something that they're not. and and it's like, okay, I have to cover myself. I have to compliment him before I criticize him because, you know, the the the, the Twitter troll's gonna come after me and, and, and call me all types of names. And I think people hold back on that criticism because they're afraid of that backlash. Where especially if you're a white person, if a person mm. looks like you, Scott, tread carefully because okay. they're gonna put you, they're gonna put you in that bill polling lane. If you're like me and Daryl, they'll say, Well, you know, you guys are, are the C word. You guys are coons. You guys don't, you know, you're criticizing Lamar Jackson. This is white supremacy. I know I'm saying all <laughs> the third world buzzwords on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, you know we can go there on this show, but I, I won't go too far into it because this is a Raider show. But I will say that if you're going to criticize Lamar Jackson, just go on Twitter and just search any time you see a Lamar Jackson conversation. Just search the replies, search the quote tweets and see what people say about those who are critical of Lamar Jackson and get back to me.
2: And it's really interesting because of the racial component, obviously the, the makeup of the league and there's still a lot of work to be done with front office opportunities and all that. We know the story there. And we've had the guys from Fritz Pollard on the show before. But but you look at the league being primarily black and you look at progress at the quarterback position, clearly. But you can criticize any player at other positions that are black and that doesn't come up, right?
3: It depends. And, hmm. I, and, I, and I want to point this out because this is another 3rd real discussion. When the, <laughs> we're when just the Super we're Bowl just tripping up, all over them We're just tripping all over them today. I'm I'm going out on a limb today. But when the Super Bowl came up, I did a live show uh the week the day after the conference championship games mm-hmm. and I said this is the first Super Bowl that's going to feature two black quarterbacks, right? And I'm thinking that's not a that's not a controversial statement, right? You know, Patrick Mahomes dad, black, you know, Hurts, his, his his parents black. There were people on Twitter that said, "No, Patrick Mahomes is not black, he's biracial because his mom's white. So there was there were there were arguments there to say, well, you can't classify Patrick Mahomes as a black quarterback so he doesn't get the same criticism. he wouldn't get the same criticism as a Jalen hurts. So we going we're going back to what you classify yourself as. And this is what I mean about devolving the quarterback discussion from criticism on the field to taking it back to it's a it's now a racial discussion. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is not "quote unquote a black quarterback." Look at his hair texture. You know, you can praise him as being a black quarterback, but he's not mm-hmm. really a black quarterback. So he's But not why, why is he why isn't Harris. he a black
2: quarterback? Because he has a white mom. So did President Obama? People pick and choose. This is what uh, I mean, but this is okay. this is exactly so they're, what I mean you, they're, they're, they're you're right, they're technically biracial. Right. But 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 I I'm pretty sure he identifies himself as being black.
3: Right. So, so, so it's so but,
2: it's it's subjective, is what you're saying.
3: Yes. Yeah. People pick and choose when they want to separate people and, and and say, okay, you belong in this category, you belong in that category. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's when we get off track. Again, I'm not going to turn this into a a show about ra- you know racial discussions and stuff of that <laughs> nature, but it, it's odd to me sometimes when you have a criticism of a certain player and and certain plays like Lamar Jackson are protected, where it's up, not even Patrick Mahomes because he's arguably the best quarterback in the league. But if you get a yeah. quarterback who's doesn't have both his parents are not black, then it's like, oh, he gets special treatment because he's he's a lighter skin complexion, he has a white mom, you know, like it's uh. like. Come on, people! Can we can we get back to sports and we just judge the player for what they do on the field and not worry about you know what their hair texture is and what what their mom's racial background is or dad? Can we just get back to the sports, please?
2: Uh, yeah, it's cr- incredible. But Daryl, a uh, good question there, and Great I know question. obviously Mo has some passion around that and can speak to it. So. So good stuff. I appreciate it. Daryl from the East Bay. First time he's written in, but he says he's listened for a long time. So thank you for that. Good and, for, and by the way, good for
3: Daryl for, for having an objective eye and saying, I don't care what the person looks like. I'm I'm looking at what he does on the field.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My and opinion. that's, again, and some people won't like that. And and now I know why people don't criticize your performance on the show.
3: All right. Um,
2: no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. All right. Next question. Scott and Mo, I don't understand you, or well, excuse me. Let me rephrase this. I don't understand how you or anyone who covers the Raiders won't call the so-called plan for the, the quarterback position what it really means, a Raiders rebuild. As a fan, I'm tired of waiting, and I think it's just another example of this franchise saying F you. I had to spell it say it the right way uh, to Raider nation because they know we're fans until the day we die. It's frustrating and I'm tired of rebuilds. Thanks for the show. But I think you guys aren't being critical enough. Peace out Ramon in Las Vegas. All right. So I want to say this, and I think I texted this to you earlier today and it was partially because I got Ramon's email last night, which was, um, I don't know. I don't think you can rebuild when you're a losing team already. Like to me, a rebuild is you build and you have something and then you tear it down because you have to rebuild or it's so bad that you have to rebuild. To me, it's building. Like get out of the terminology of rebuild like you had something close. I don't think the Raiders were close. Yes, they made the playoffs two years ago, but we've gone through that ad nauseum on luck, on all sorts of things coming out of that tragic year. So, Mo, am, am I wrong about that rebuild word? I mean, I'm not trying to be a Raiders PR person here. I don't work for them. I don't work on the radio station anymore. I, I've never been that way. Uh, so so what do you think of that that term, rebuild?
3: Number one, I mean, haven't we been critical of the Raiders not addressing the offensive line? <laughs> I knew you were going to go to that. Defensive line. Uh, haven't we been critical of the Raiders all season for things that they didn't do to help this team win yes. football games? Haven't we and, been critical of Josh McDaniels?
2: And we've been critical of the quarterback from the past, and we were told we hated <laughs> him. And in fact, you get criticized for hating the Jets, even though you don't cover the Jets. <laughs> I hate,
3: Apparently, I hate a lot of things. You hate so everybody. I, I hate everybody and everything. But to, to the question... I. Look, I I've lost track of the question almost, but anyway, I, I will say I I will say when it comes to the rebuild thing, I it to me it's semantics. Yes, it, what do, yes. You, what, do you, what do you define as a rebuild? Is a rebuild for you when you get a new coaching staff and a new front office? I would say yes. Is a rebuild for you when you get a new quarterback? Because I would say there are some people out there, fans and analysts, who believe once you boot a quarterback that you've had for nine years sort of a rebuild because the quarterback is such such an important piece to your team so i can kind of see where they would say rebuild i'm not saying i necessarily agree with that because i get your point you were 6 and 11 so you're not really tearing down something that was winning but (laughs) but as a lot of people will probably point out as i'm talking the raiders did go 10 and 7 and go to the place as you acknowledge so Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they tried to build off of what they had at ten seven. It didn't work, so they're rebuilding a part, a major part of the offense. Because again, if you if you have a quarterback in place for nine years and you boot him, they're going to be some host. They're going to be some cha- significant changes there because right. you're dealing with a new person touching the ball on every play. But I also
2: think, for me, and this is my terms, and and Ramon, if you oh. if you have a different de- definition, cool but to me also rebuild means that like okay you've been the gm for 4 years you've been the coach for 4 years and suddenly you were going in these directions it didn't work and now you have to tear it all down like to me th- you know these guys are going into year 2 yeah. and i know year 1 was disappointing based on expectations but it, you can't rebuild something that you're just starting to build like to me that i guess it, you're right you're po- you're right it's semantics and so it that's is. all i pointed it out but back to the, the us being critical, I, listen, I think there's a lot. We could do bigger numbers on YouTube. We could b- do bigger numbers with downloads of this show if we were much more rah-rah. There's websites, there's podcasts, there's YouTube shows. They're all great stuff. I got no problem with them. I God bless all of the hosts. I hope they make tons of money and do really well. But I will tell you, they're very rah-rah. And that's cool. Go get it there. We have been very objective, which means when things don't go well, we're going to be critical. So so I understand what you're saying, Ramon. We're not being critical of, it sounds like you're saying the quarterback plan, but I think we've actually done a really, really good job of exploring it from other, of every angle possible and giving you what we believe to be realistically the best approach, which we talked about Here's on this show.
3: Here's the thing, Scott. If a fan listening to this show thinks that the Raiders basically have crapped the bed ever since they let go of Derek Carr and there's no plan, they're going to say that we're not critical enough because their viewpoint of the situation is a lot harsher than ours. Correct. Now, if we, now on, the, on the other side of the coin, there are people that say, well, you guys aren't complimentary enough of what the Raiders <laughs> are doing because they got rid of Derek Carr. So there'll be people saying, well, you, you're not giving them credit for doing that because there are some people who wanted Derek Carr gone long ago. Yes. And they're, they're applauding Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler. Now, they didn't get any draft capital from which was a botch in my opinion. But they're applauding the fact that they, were, they had the balls to move on from Derek Carr, which other previous head coaches did not do. Very so true. there are some fans that will say, you guys aren't compliment, complimentary enough of them doing just that, just moving on and turning the page and starting something new. So it all depends on how you view the situation, how you view it. And then you'll say, okay, you guys aren't critical enough or you guys are too critical. So it depends on where you land on it. And Ramon, your opinion is welcome, and it's cool, and I'm fine. I'm totally fine with that. If you think that the Raiders are are doing a horrible job since letting go of their car or their plans since letting go of their car just doesn't stir the drink for you, I, I totally get it because from the outside looking in, it looks like they don't know what's next. And as a fan, you want to know that your team is going to be competitive the next season. And right now they really can't guarantee that for you.
2: And they want something to, I mean, it's the first time they're going to have a quarterback change in 10 years. So they want something to be excited about. So I totally get that. A lot of fans, I, I do DMs with fans, and they tell me about that. They're like, oh, I can't wait to find out what we're going to do. I don't care if it's just Stidham this year. At least we're going in a different direction. So so the excitement is very real, and that's what they want. So I get it, and I'm sure that's a little bit to do with what your question was, Ramon. But thank you for your question. I think that's the second time he's written in this year. So thank you for that. We appreciate you listening out in Las Vegas, home of the Raiders. All right, now we move on. Oh, by the way, when when you were saying that people— you know, who look one way and look the other way can see our show as being over-critical or, under, or under-critical, or I think maybe we do an opposite show where we come on and the whole show is everything we're saying is completely the opposite of what we believe. Right? That might be fun. It would be hard to do. It would be hard to do. But we could, so maybe but, we'll do that. And then somebody
3: will but, listen to and say, hey, these guys are great. But the, the, the weird thing, remember I said, I think I said this last week. I said, can you imagine if we just did a show... Where we just got on, turned on our mics, and you know, and said, you know, everything the Raiders are doing are great. They're going to go seventeen and zero. They're going to win the Super Bowl. I know they don't have a quarterback answer yet, but so what? Yes, they're going to beat. The, they're going to sweep the Chiefs. They're going to sweep the Chargers and the Broncos in the division. They're going to win every game. Josh McDaniels is an elite head coach. Dave Ziggler is an elite GM. You're all out of your minds. You just have to let it pan out. Can you imagine if we did that every show? And yes. I said, would you take us seriously if we did that? No. On the opposite side, if we got on the show every day, and we just fire everybody. Everyone has to go. Turn it over. They they need to fire Dave Zigger. Get get Josh McDaniels out of here. He's a bum. There's nothing he can do. That's right. That Zigger didn't do anything right this past off season. He's not gonna do anything right this off season. Would you guys and gals out there listen to us if we did that? So, the extreme things to me get people riled up when they agree with it. Correct. But it it. You wouldn't take us seriously over the long haul if we did that.
2: Well, and even the great—you you talk about broadcast. Even the great Howard Stern, I think he said in his memoir that I've read years and years ago, he talked about it. He's like, if it wasn't for the people who hated me so much, I would have never been as big as I was. So, you know, so there there is that play. We don't play that way. Uh, and again, we, we do that because we hold— we're true to ourselves, right, Mo? I mean, that's the key here. We 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 are more objective, I think, than some other shows. Again, not criticizing that. That's just, they wanted, they can do their show the way they want to do it. They get their listeners. Our listeners tend to be more discerning and they kind of want the both sides of things. They don't always agree with us. A lot of them disagree with us a lot, but they listen because at least they're challenging their own thinking. So, so we appreciate it. And Ramon, again, thank you, man, for the question. And, and we'll try all to be more, we'll, we'll try to be at least more critical of our people who write in. To, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Good stuff. Good stuff.
3: I, I will say this one thing I owe listeners and people who read my work is honesty. Absolutely. What I will never do is tell you something that I don't actually believe in. And I'm not going to call out any names yet, but I'm sure there are content creators out there who say <laughs> things that they don't actually believe, but they know it'll oh, get yeah. them likes and clicks and all type and listens and stuff like that. When you, whether you listen to me on on this show, whether you read my writing, you listen to my live shows and Bleacher Report, whatever I say, whatever is coming out of my mouth, unless I'm obviously being sarcastic, I actually believe the take that I'm providing you. It's not something to to lead you <clears throat> astray.
2: And, and we don't play with your emotions. There are folks, and again, no name, then you all oh, call them out if you're going to call. No, I'm not going to because I have class. But I will tell you this: there are people who are very crafty at playing both sides telling you inside information that is not really inside information and it can kind of go either way. Like we don't do that. We're not going to play with your emotions. We're going to tell it like it is, tell you what we think. Am I always right? No, I have people, I have people who listen or at least watch me on Twitter and tell me I'm an idiot all the time. Maybe I am. I don't know. I think I'm informed. (laughs) I, I give you my opinion. Some people like it. Some people don't. My goal in life is not to have everybody like me. I know our listeners find us, and I'm thankful for them. Mo and I every day are thankful for them because they've made this show very successful. But uh, I, I love to hear, and if you, we love to hear disagreement, too. We love to hear you guys like Ramon calling us out. We disagree with his disagreement, but we talk about it. We don't call him a name and tell him to not listen to the show. All right. We're going to get on to our last question here. We're running out of time, Uh, running long in this segment, but that's okay because it's about you guys. All right, here's the last question, uh, Mo. It says, hey, boys, you've been very promotional about C.J. Stroud. You've told us why he's the best guy the Raiders could get in the draft, but if they can't move up, there may only be Richardson, Levis, and Hooker left in the first through third round, although I think Hooker might go bottom in the second. But anyway, who's the best fit if it has to be one of those guys? That is Leo in San Leonardo. Wow. Leo in San Leonardo, California. All right, Mo. Um, I've been very vocal. I, I I get the fascination with Richardson because his arm is huge. Um, he's big. He can run. He can do everything except be accurate <laughs> and read defenses really effectively. So I, I'm not a big fan. I think – getting him later would be good. The fact that he might go in the top of the first round blows my mind. And I get it to what you said about the comparisons with Lamar Jackson. And maybe I'll be completely wrong on that. And if I am, I'll eat, I'll eat my shoe on, on air. But Levis also now is Levis, who is going to be the first quarterback taken has now dropped a little bit. Some people have mocked him to the Raiders. And then you have Hendon Hooker, who you mentioned earlier. I like him too, despite the knee injury but the Raiders, with the plan we talked about earlier, if they're saying, hey, eventually, well, we can develop a young guy, if that's what we're reading into it, uh, is also appealing. For you, though, the three guys he mentioned, and I think you're right. I think Richardson's going to be gone. He might even be gone before seven. So you might be looking at just Levis or Hooker or um, some of the other guys that are out there, which is the kid from Fres- uh, Fresno. Um, what, what do you think?
3: Okay, I'm not going to cop out on this question. My pick would be the better fit. The best fit out of those names would be, for me, it would be Hooker. Now, I know people are going to say he's an old, he's going to be an old rookie. He's coming off of a knee injury. I get that. But if you're looking at it from a long term perspective and you're thinking, okay, who's the best quarterback for the next five years? And I think Hooker has that. To me, Hooker has that upside. And, and apparently, the Raiders are interested in him because, as I said earlier in this show, they've sat with him twice already. Yeah. So I think if there's a situation where Hooker is available at the bottom of the second, I could see the Raiders drafting him in that spot, and saying, "Okay, we got a him or we got to we got a bridge quarterback. Hooker doesn't have to rush back; he can recover. And by 2024, we can see what he's got. He might be our guy. Another name that wasn't mentioned in that email, I think people should pay attention to is Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Tanner. Mc- I don't McKee. love Tanner McKee as a prospect because. To me, it's too limited of a move of his mobility is just not there. You want to talk people are criticizing CJ Stroud. Tanner McKee, I, I not a mover in the pocket. And I yeah. think that if Josh McDaniels wants a primarily a pocket passing quarterback, a guy's just gonna stand in the pocket and sling it and not move too much, I think the Raiders may consider Tanner McKee. Although I wouldn't like the pick, I can see the Raiders picking him again in the second round.
2: Yeah, and I, and and he's fallen out of favor, and we'll see what happens with the combine and workouts. But I, I people should not overlook Will Levis because I know the downsides. He was, he was injured. It's hard to play that position injured. But he, he the offense. This is where you talk about fitmo. The offense he played in Kentucky huge on terminology. Sound familiar, right? So here's a guy mm-hmm. who's used to. That sort of system. Now, they weren't exactly. it was more like Sean, McVay, Sean McVay's system, system. It, with the Rams. Yeah, Coles, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so it's more like that. But they're both heavy in the terminology piece, which is what we heard Derek Carr had trouble with early. Which Stidham was brought in and helped it with that. So, so again, I know Levis has some downside too, uh, and and all of that. But I'm I'm he's he's very he's very Mac Jones ish, I think, as well. And so to me, I see some similarities there. And so I'm, I'm saying don't sleep on him. I don't know that the Raiders will take him. I'm not saying they should take him. But I would not be surprised if it was Hooker or Levis, either one of them.
3: Here's the thing. I think Levis looks the part. There was sure. something that Josh McDaniels said that made me connect him to Will Levis. And he said, I believe he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, once a quarterback who's going to be tough, stand in the pocket. Not turn the ball over, of course, he did say that, and, and score with the football. But his 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 note about highlighting toughness and standing in the pocket, that's Will Levis to a T. Will yeah. Levis is going to stand in the, and short head, stand pass- in the and pocket. And short passes.
2: Short passes. Right. He can throw Will long, Levis, but...
3: He, he's going to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. Now, he can move a little. He's not as toolsy as Anthony Richardson. Not even close. No,
2: no but, <laughs> not even close. But
3: he's going to stand in the pocket, and he can move. Not going to yeah. run for a bunch of yards, but he can move in the pocket. He has some mobility, but most of all, he's going to stay in the pocket, and deliver the football, and take hits if he has to. And I think that would be appealing to a Josh McDaniels. Will Levis dealt with injuries this past season, and as a lot of people noted, his supporting cast changed. I believe he lost Wandale Robinson to the NFL, drafted by the Giants. I believe he he also lost the second best wide receiver from the previous year. Uh, the offensive system changed. So. With Will Levis, I can see the Raiders drafting a Will Levis at seven. A lot of fans don't want to hear that because I think Will Levis has been beaten up a lot as we evaluate these prospects. But it, it, it matters also where you land. Certain quarterbacks, true. true. if you land with a certain uh, offensive play call, or a certain system, you can flourish. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw it with Will Levis in, in 2021. So if he lands in the right system, I, I totally believe that Will Levis could be a starter in this league. So if the Raiders do draft Levis at seven, I would say before you you beat him down and say he didn't do well his last his previous year and all this other stuff, let's see how he fits in Josh McDaniels system because as you said, when it comes to a quarterback, a Josh mcdaniel type quarterback, that quarterback's got to be able to take a bunch of play calls, recoverages, and be able to stand in the pocket. Now yeah. you compare him to Mac Jones, I think he's I think he his arm strength. A lot right. more than Mac Jones, and also yeah. w- when it comes to his physical tools, little more, little more toolsy than Mac Jones. But Correct. I get what you're saying as far as what he can take in and absorb as far as the playbook is concerned.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Smart and and if if they did go that direction, uh, and they re signed Stidham, which it, everything is pointing to them re-signing Stidham, I think he wants to stay in Vegas. We'll see. If that yeah. happens, then it's great because you have another you know young guy there who knows the system again to teach you. And Will Levis can take a year or maybe even two. You would hope that he would start by year two, whoever it is. Uh, but but if they need to take two seasons, they can. And so to me, that's where that patience comes in. That's what we heard McDaniels talk about.
3: One thing that I did read about Levis, I think one or both his parents are like Ivy League graduates. Yeah. So yeah, he's, like, he's like a really, yeah, he's like a really smart prospect. So you want to talk about IQ on and off the field, <clears> he has that.
2: And one of those one of those interesting data points too doesn't mean it's going to happen, but Champ Kelly, where did he go to school? Mm. He's got Kentucky connections, right? So so anyway, so there you go. So you got some front office there, uh, and and just an idea. But 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 uh, great question, Leo. We appreciate it there, uh, sure. and that's our view on that.
3: We're basically warming you up for Will
2: Levis at number seven, <laughs>
3: perhaps.
2: But I'm a, I'm a big I'm a, this this somebody's gonna c- take this clip and make and use it the wrong way. But I'm a Hooker fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Hooker as a quarterback. Come on now, and um and so oh the gosh. knee injury I get it, but if the, if the Raiders don't get one of those guys in the first round, that's the guy I hope they target. Because if you're going to develop a quarterback and you have some time and the knee looks good, the reports you have are awesome, and, and the recovery is going well, I like him. I think he's got the potential, to to really jump up. He's older, yes. I know he's four years older than everybody else, but that's okay. Uh, because But he'll have the opportunity to come in and learn quickly. So
3: good if, stuff. If I'm doing this show by myself next week because Scott's suspended, <laughs> you know why. Who you says know the he likes like, hooker.
2: I didn't say hookers. I said
3: hooker. Scott will be there'll be a rumor out of Scott that Scott Rocky, Rocky Top cocaine and doing cocaine <laughs> and inviting hookers to his home. Uh, See oh, the my God.
2: That's ter- ter- terrible. Uh, OK, <laughs> that's going to close out the show on, on a high note. Get it? High note. <laughs>
3: oh, my gosh.
2: OK, I know. That's a dad joke. I got gotcha. you. All right, Mo. Uh, what do you got coming up the rest of the week that people have to read online?
3: Well, not so much reading. I'm gonna be um, doing my midtown mo oh, uh, live on. show. Yes, live show on Friday. Nice. I-, I won't reveal the subject. I'll wait till Friday morning to tweet that out. But I'll be I'll be doing my fulfilling my midtown mo duties on Friday, and then after that, we're gonna I'm gonna get into the franchise tag. And if Josh Jacobs does get the franchise tag, you best believe I'll be writing about it. The deadline is next Tuesday on the seventh.
2: Yes, we're just putting up the theme music because it's fun. Um, okay, good deal. Make sure, well, your live show, it's going to be uh, interesting, I'm sure.
3: 12, 12 is Eastern ra- Is it Raiders
2: related specific. or you can't even say that? Uh,
3: I, it's going to it's gonna be league-wide, but I think Raiders oh, okay. fans should tune in because it's going to involve ah. something that the Raiders should Raiders fans should pay attention to, With for to see in the Combine going on, for to see next week, well, two weeks in the Combine going on now.
2: Yeah, you finally got David Carr on your show, huh? No,
3: I'm kidding. Okay. I wonder how David Carr feels about our show. He probably hates our guts. Maybe hates your guts, because you're you're hard on him. So, okay.
2: We are uh, done for the show. My friend, Mr. Maurice Moon. I'm gonna call you Maurice.
3: It just sounds weird coming That's from. That's what you
2: know. your byline is, though.
3: It is, but just, when someone I, calls me Maurice, I, I know automatically that we're not well acquainted or they don't know me very well.
2: (laughs) Or it's somebody over 65. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so there you go. But we, (laughs) I think you should change your byline to Midtown Mo.
3: When I, when I'm, Hey, when I, when I'm up far further up the ladder and I'm able to just alter my name and just go by a pseudonym, that would be perfect for me. But Uh, until then.
2: so, So does this mean you're going to the barber before Friday?
3: Actually, I'm going to the, if you're listening to this right now, I've already gone to the barbershop. So if oh, you're listening you to this okay. right now, I have got a fresh fade and I'm ready to go. Got oh, that's right cuz we gone.
2: we had a business meeting with the network earlier and and I did see your hair. I should not know that. Yeah, I could see that yeah. it was close. You weren't you weren't getting any I, I still think you got to go natural at some point though just go all oh, the way out. Just gosh. go all the way out. Come on. I'm jealous oh, cuz I would love to do that and I just can't. I, I want to go back to the, actually,
3: not to, not to go off on a tangent, but I want to go back to the 90s. I used to get a part. I used to get a slanted oh, yeah? part in my hair. Yeah. The hard to. part,
2: as we yeah. call it, white dudes call it a hard
3: part. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Bring it back. Bring it the, back. I,
2: like, I remember the days in the 90s with the with all the designs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like the zigzags and the lightning bolts and
3: all kinds of stuff. You I, I grew Nike up- at, I grew up at a time where the kids came to school, either the designs in their hair or the rat tail. You have seen that? Oh
2: yeah, the rat tail. We had our the, the for for those of us who went to primarily white schools, we had rat tails in the 80s. It was like uh, not not the mullet, the mullet was there too, which is <laughs> the mullet. But but the but we had little rat tails where you would just leave like you'd get cuz parents wouldn't let their kind of middle class kids get long hair, so they'd get their hair cut kind of short but then they'd have the tail in the back.
3: Yeah. Old times, man. Old the
2: days. Yes. No, it was terrible. That was terrible stuff. All right. Mo, my friend, I will see you again on Tuesday for our new show.
3: Awesome. we talk a lot about combine next week.
2: We will. Absolutely. Maybe some tagging and some free agent signings and who knows? We'll find out. All right, my friend. Take care. And we're gonna say goodbye to all of you as well. Also, again, please, if you would do us the favor, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We know from the data, most of you get it up on Apple. Thank you so much for that. If you wouldn't mind dropping us a five-star review in there, we would appreciate that as well. Helps us out significantly with the big suits and the big buildings uh, at the network. They're like, oh, these guys are getting great reviews. (laughs) So that's good for us. Uh, Please do that. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscriptions. And the notification bells. You got to do both of them. It's a, it's a pretty easy task to right next to each other. Just hit both. And we appreciate, as always, the lively chat, which I am in every time having fun with you guys. So thank you so much for that one as well. For our producer, David Stepanian, for Momoton I am Skakko Branson. We will check you next week, Raider Nation. Take care of one another out there.